Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Hi, uh, today on the Irish Tech News podcast, uh, we have a guest who we've had on a few times, which is great. Um, and we're having him back on because he has uh, some interesting trends and analysis to discuss with us. So first of all, who do we have the pleasure of speaking to today? Hello, Simon. Gary Connolly, uh, founder of Host in Ireland. Thank you so much for having me back. Great. Good to have you back. And first of all, just just for those who maybe haven't come across you guys, um, what is it that you guys do and what's your role in the wider ecosystem? Yeah, I, I guess for up to nearly a decade now, would you believe, we uh, established what we classify as a coopetition of companies based in Ireland, working from Ireland um, or in Ireland exclusively that are in what's called the digital infrastructure space. So what would that be? It would be people designing, building, operating fiber networks designing, building, operating data centers, and ultimately then supplying equipment and goods into that, into Ireland, and also exporting from Ireland. But it's a it's a competition, um, as I say, of big competitors that normally uh, would be um, not likely to be side by side where we brought them together. We found numerous ways of finding a common interest between the group, and then we try and promote the collective group um, for what they're doing and as we're going to talk today why they do it and where they're doing it so um, that that's in a nutshell the digital infrastructure space that provides you with your work life and play of digital services whether they be in your hospital or your handheld computer cool yeah great i think that's a good succinct explanation now you guys have a new ecosystem report uh, which is either just launched or is about to come out so we're gonna uh, dig into that and and what what kind of trends you've come across so first of all i guess uh, when is it out and if you could give like a, a high level summary to people what kind of would be the key things that you would tell like to tell people about it was launched last week and it's um, of its type, it's our second year where we, we take a snapshot of the digital infrastructure space and particularly the partners that make up Post in Ireland. And what we, well, the first thing that we noticed was that the amount of activity by the companies that we work with, um, designing, building, operating digital infrastructure I mentioned earlier, is about four to five times more outside of Ireland than they are in Ireland. That can be sometimes very hard for people to realize because they think, oh, Ireland is a center of excellence for data, data centers, infrastructure. Um, We hear it every day, probably more negatively than positively, the the effects of centers in Ireland. So when we consider that uh, we've been doing it for so long now, you know, 20 years nearly, um, that skill, those skills that companies have learned over the years, whether it's been working in Intel or working in Pfizer, the engineering skills, that, uh, yeah, we're doing four to five times more activities, up to eight billion. It's quite significant. That's the first thing we noticed. And, and even since 2022, um, the first iteration of the report, um, that has increased rather than reducing. 
um, the amount of exports that we're doing from Ireland. And the key thing there is the skills and services that are highly, so highly sought after, uh, whether it's in Frankfurt, London, Amsterdam, Cape Town, Oslo, and as far as Singapore or even North Virginia. And these are all, for listeners, these are all the other sort of tier one data center cluster locations in the world. That's the first thing that, that we noticed. The second uh, uh, obvious thing is the transportability of this ecosystem. Um, and it's, it's, it's testimony to the Irish companies or the Irish-based companies that uh, they're able to sort of, what would you say, hunt in packs, would we say? Um, they're also able to, like the Irish rugby team, I often think, put aside their own uh, team colours for a specific period of time as we're building a reputation or building an e- equivalent ecosystem in Frankfurt, say, or in Copenhagen, where uh, they all hang together. They all work together. They all obviously um, don't share secret sauces, but they certainly create an an essence of um, if you want to do something with an Irish company, we have supports with other Irish companies that can help um, or contacts with Irish people uh, in the digital global infrastructure that we can call upon. So I think that it's reasonable to suggest that uh, whilst we look at data in Ireland and you, you read the dividends that we get from the data every day with the economic benefits and stuff. One of the dividends that we don't talk about enough, certainly for somebody of my age in my 50s, when we were exporting people in the 80s and they never came back or a few of them came back, now we're actually exporting expertise. And that's just a wonderful thing to see um, where you can send members of your team to Oslo for six months to, do, to commission a project come back and then if they want they can base here or they can go off to Cape Town and there really is a sense of community around sort of the designing the building the operating the supplying of digital infrastructure which includes telecoms and data center skills and services so I think they were the two major uh, uh, findings the, the, the growing exportability of these skills and services the size by number and also then as the the data sphere of the world is larger, the requirement for trust in the supply chain and uh, the supply chain in this particular sector is very much uh, um, led or certainly one of the front runners is the Irish companies for sure. Okay, yeah, and, and that makes sense. And like you say, it's a, it's a collection of um, companies with similar interests, but with a degree of... Co- not always collaborate like they're working together they can see a bigger picture um during covid we had a big nudge towards doing things in a more digital way um if if we can say that we're in a post-covid time do you, do you feel that, that that accelerated are we still moving in, in into much more online or is there a, a move back and i guess what's the uh, potential impact for you guys yeah no we're, we're... I suppose there's a few numbers to throw out. I was just reading about IDC uh, report recently, and obviously devices create data, and data then needs centers and infrastructure. So if you follow the data story, you'll find out how much infrastructure is needed to support it. And we're at this stage where we've in the region of uh, 40 billion things in the world right now that are creating data, whether it's big things or small things, whether it's a hospital or whether it's your smartphone in your hand. 
And they're anticipating now with the increase in trends and a lot to your point, a lot of a lot of habits were formed during two to two years, two and a half years of COVID that haven't been reversed and won't be reversed with respect to the usage of digital infrastructure. And um, particularly uh, as we see work trends to a, um, you know, a work from home Monday and Friday, a nine day fortnight and all these different ways of people working and playing um, um, for the work-life balance. And it seems that those trends that were created during COVID aren't being reversed. Um, and how do we support workers or people when they're working remotely from the office? Well, with digital infrastructure. So that, that's increasing. We also saw, and one of the interesting statistics I saw recently was the demographics and cohorts of people who were resisting digital change Maybe the, the 60 pluses who were of the age where it was all so new and, and uh, maybe they weren't embracing it as much as other generations. Um, they had to embrace technology during COVID. There was no choice. They had to find a new bridge partner that was happened to be in Buenos Aires. Um, Post-COVID, they are the highest percentage of, I think they call them silver surfers, actually. They're one of the highest percentage of adopting new technologies both in their home and also in, in the usage of their workplace. Um, so there has been trends. It is, it's only gone one way. The amount of devices, as I say, with the IDC, they're anticipating, which is quite, quite extraordinary even for me, a trillion things creating and generating data by the end of this decade. Because, you know, um, we've had this discussion on this show, I think, before, that uh, when, when listeners are trying to say, well, what is this data and why do I need it? Well, actually, it's the steam of this industrial age. So we all know what steam did in the 17, 1800s. It changed society. Um, data and the in, 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 um, insights and the intelligence from data is the steam of this industrial age, which is recognized at 4.0. So whilst it's becoming more spread, there isn't a sector or there isn't a geography now, um, that hasn't got plans or accelerated plans for more digital infrastructure. I guess it's a sign of the world we live in, which is horrifying in one respect, that there's still 550 million people that don't have fresh running water in our little planet. And yet, by the end of 2025, those said people could have access to broadband with low orbital satellites. So it's in no way a fun thing to reflect on, but I think it shows you that it's probably easier to get a ping to a phone than it is to get fresh running water to some parts of the world right now. So we're not seeing any uh, uh, reduction in the demand for data. And that in turn, Simon, leads to more centers and infrastructures to support that. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, that's good because that's leading towards two things that I do want to ask you. So I guess if 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 you do another report in a, in, a, in a year's time, and I talk to you in April 2024, and and if you say to me it's been a really good year, uh, what 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 is good and what would good look like for for you and the things you're trying to achieve? Great question, and I'd have to answer it by saying that we have a influx of talent that isn't um, of a certain age or uh, gender. We, we are now at the stage where 
leading on from the previous answer and your question, where digital infrastructure is here to stay, there's a great fear factor, um, real or unreal, around this sector. Um, firstly, it was sort of a, an overspill from the dot-com bubble of the year 2000s, where you know the industry probably over-expected the take-up. But of course, the smartphone and other technologies weren't even invented there. So you didn't have the devices nor the products and services to create the data that needed the digital infrastructure. So there's a bit of an overhang there with, with certain people and certain uh, educational uh, institutions that, oh yeah, but what if people train and they don't have a job? I think now it's widely accepted that it's a utility. Data is like a utility. So in the same way as water and electricity isn't going away, data is certainly not going away. So I'd like to think that by in 12 months, um, we are making further advances in the amount of people who say, I actually want to get in and build a career around digital infrastructure. There's a lot of fear as well in the press, particularly around the centers, that uh, a lot of people talk about the centers as the great boogeyman, whereas the real discussion should be, well, what's in the centers? It's the data. And what's that data doing? Well, it's actually running the health system or it's decarbonizing the smart cities. So we need to get that message out. And that's the key thing. It's to be expected, Simon, at any great times of change, whether you're going from horses to cars or whether you're trying to, to uh, put water, fresh water in people's pipes and you have to maybe take the decision to, to uh, flood, as we did in Ireland, actually, where we have to flood the likes of Blessington Lake. There's always sort of demonization of change and there's always demonization of certain aspects of change. I think what we have to do is we, we need to, to start looking at the infrastructure, the data centers, the, the fiber, the cables, et cetera, et cetera, as just that, the infrastructure. What are they there for? They're there not in parallel to society. They're there because of society. And then you say, well, what is society using it for? Well, it's using it for everything. It's using it for hospitals. It's using it for cities. It's using it for sanitation systems. It's using it for social media. So we're still at the stage where actually there's, there's a real challenge right now of trying to get the correct information out to attract talent. The talent wants to be associated with it. But so in 12 months time, I would love, um, which is starting to happen, um, but not in anything like the, the, the levels we needed, um, talent actually say, I want to work in that industry. And right now, Simon, to give you a sense, there's 300,000 delta of technicians in the data digital infrastructure space, 300,000 today of technicians to, to, to run and operate the centers. So I would say that that will be next year. I anticipate that we will be continuing to grow as a digital, as a, as a sector. I anticipate that the exports will continue to, to be steady, if not more. But I certainly would love to be here saying we've got two courses now. We've got loads of people that are interested in the sector. And uh, we're seeing real sites that, that it is a desired um, career for people to design, build, and operate digital infrastructure. That, I think, will be a great, great discussion to have in 12 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, 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 you know, it does make me aware that, you know, we like this has evolved over the time that we've been having these conversations and it's definitely grown. Um, and also, I guess, t t towards your thing that you, you touched on a little bit is, is, 
you know, like a couple of weeks ago, I sent you a piece about uh, data centers being powered by swimming pools. And I know that therefore within the industry about squaring the circle in terms of energy consumption, using it efficiently and even using the byproducts. So I guess, do you want to talk about that area? Because I know that you guys have put some thought into this and you are looking and advocating for interesting solutions and you know cross usage of you know what's in one area is 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 a waste thing to be a positive thing in other areas so i guess tell me about anything in that area that you find interesting you know well what i'm finding interesting and to to your point and i suppose a good link through is the squaring the circle and because all what society is finally doing now is starting to actually look at they term a circular economy in principle and no one asset class and no one company or not one sector is going to solve that it has to be a collective harmonized master planned objective you can do pieces of it at the edge and obviously it has a great exemplar effect but when you look at sort of something like um as you're mentioning um waste heat from data centers but waste heat from something like a data center is effective and useful if you're not putting more energy into the waste heat to make it effective. So therefore, geography is a real key thing about circular use of waste heat. If you were in a remote, very remote location and you've waste heat, then it actually you need to start looking at things like uh, greenhouses, or you need to start looking at other sort of local to the data center location uh, uses for waste heat but again society when it comes to the larger projects needs to align itself and we see that actually uh, finally coming to to uh, fruition in a uh, project in actually south dublin county council where they have um, as a master plan key thing was that there was a master plan done and they looked at we need a district or we want a district heating system to take the, the waste heat from things like data center, data centers, combined heat and power, um, even substations uh, exude heat for electricity. And we want to basically be able to use that as an exemplar for the municipality's headquarters, for the uh, uh, Technology University of Dublin, which is the, the old Tala Institute. And we also want a social housing. So in a master plan, there happened to be in close proximity a data center. Data centers were asked, would they like to participate? Data centers said, yes, we'll give you our waste heat. It's waste or it's circular or whatever you want to call it. And they were able to weave that into the overall master plan because the waste heat in its own right is no good. The waste heat without somewhere like a district heating owned by a third party, managed by a third party. Um, it's very hard for, for, for data centers to do anything with waste heat unless they've somewhere to take it off. And ultimately, that was what happened. So actually, it's a wonderful exemplar of, of joined up thinking, society ready. Um, we aren't a society that has uh, a lot of uh, district heating, uh, unlike, say, Norway or some of the other Nordic countries who have been doing it for hundreds of years. And then you've got, as you mentioned, then you've got the little pocket projects where a small data center in proximity to a swimming pool is able to provide waste heat that in turn is able to heat the water. So I think that the key thing there is that Society in general is opening its mind to the possibilities of collaboration and taking things like waste heat from energy generation, waste heat from even the, the burning of gases from sewerage systems, 
And then we've got this new emerging asset class. And I, keep, I think that's the key thing, a new emerging asset class that can actually doesn't have a huge legacy, that can now be designed, data centers, designed in such a way that should the, the, there be an opportunity, they can participate. Um, so I think that, again, the demonization continues where all data centers should be providing X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I mean, there's no inhibitor to doing that. But if you don't have the infrastructure outside to take it, it would be like, uh, uh, you know, having large roads or all data centers should do something with large roads. But if there isn't roads to the centers, there's very little you can do. So I don't think, I think it's part of the overall society shift to the circular economy. I think opportunities exist, not just for centers of data, that all data, to everybody from substations to waste heat systems. Um, and, and you're seeing it pop up. But uh, we don't have to go too far, as I say. I think the reference you have is a small swimming pool in the UK. You can also mention the Olympics, for instance, the Olympics that's next year in, in uh, Paris. Their swimming, their swimming pools will be actually heated by local data centers. So it's when you're in a planning stage, when you can line all the dots, then I don't think that anybody is resisting uh, to use any of the waste from one sector to be helpful and useful in another. But often the other part isn't ready, and yet the the data center gets demonized, uh, and that's one of the that's just one of the minefields that we have to walk by at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, and I guess you know, um, going forwards, it's going to be a fairly predictable need that data centers will need to be built. So therefore, like you say, hopefully the planning will be integrated to to bring in these wider benefits. Um, I guess I. I ultimate question for me is, is when we look at the website for host nine it's clear that you are aiming to engage with the community and 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 work where where they are based and with the people in that area so uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that side of things yeah it's 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 interesting when you say that yeah we're like I say we're nine years old now and we've still got the same tagline success through collaboration that was the start. It's still there. And collaboration to us in the early days was about getting competitors, as I said, to work together in some capacity. But just the principle of working together, the principle of it, coming together was a start. Agreeing that, uh, you know, each other didn't have horns was the second part. And then just creating a, a safe space where people could feel that they could share a non-secret sauce issues around so are you having that issue we're having that issue i wonder if we did this would it help the collective and that has been the the primary backbone since we started and when you have that ethos then it makes it a lot easier to look at even during covid you mentioned when we were able to collaborate with uh, some wonderful people in supplying digital uh, screens you know a thousand laptops um palm tops within three months to nursing homes and places like that. Because when you create the atmosphere where people actually feel that they're doing the right thing in the right order for the right reason, it makes it easier to transact and make, makes it easier to do things quickly. And I guess one of the things that we found and we have to continue to work on because we're new, because it's a new industry and because it's so unknown, you know, when I, when I say that, um, People love the cloud. They hate data centers. And when I say to people well, they're one and the same thing, it still takes people aback. Oh, really? So we've an awful lot of work to do. However, 
community is the key ingredient there. And when, when we were recently looking at uh, whether there was any challenges out there that we could collectively get together and actually help solve, we went and we, we identified the science-based people in the National uh, Biodiversity Data Center. And we asked them a simple question. We said, if we were to focus our bazooka, um, both people and some money at anything, what would it be? And they said, raise awareness, take action, be advocates for pollinators, the little bees that are diminishing in our, our society. Um, and so we said, okay, we could probably do that. And, and uh, you know, we set up this thing called DCs for Bees, where we effectively said to our partners, do your staff, do you, and do your uh, campuses need to be, you know, part, do you want to be part of this? And within three years now, we have um, I think 30 plus companies, which is uh, over 10% of the companies signed up to the National Irish Pollinator Plan. We also had this amazing project, which was called uh, Orchards in the Community, which effectively was uh, going out to schools, colleges, nursing homes, tidy towns, and anybody in between who huge amounts of enthusiasm, people who want to do the right thing, who are local. Um, and they said, uh, we don't have much cash. So we supplied them with uh, today 3,000 orchards over 32 counties under the direction of the national biodiversity because we don't want any unintended consequences 3000 orchards five five trees per orchard so that's what 15000 trees uh, planted in two planting seasons over 15 months uh, into the communities connected to our companies so effectively what you have now is you've got one very large data set of 15000 trees planted in the same 15 month period that our people, uh, the scientists in the National Biodiversity now can track, uh, knowing that it's the same tree planted at the same time. But we were able to turn that around, Simon, within, I'd say, three months of the decision. Because the ethos of the partnership is we want to do action, you didn't have to say why or go through the whole principle of it in the same ways we didn't have to say why for the tablets during COVID. Um, and we're, we're delighted is the word just to to uh, just appreciate the feedback from the communities that are receiving the orchards to such an extent that uh, we have now uh, I think 60 community groups that want more orchards they're sending back information to us they're giving us pictures we're going to schools and it's just helping uh, if anything the industry of the data center people in Ireland you know, not a Sunday doesn't go by or a Saturday that they don't get absolutely demonized and hammered by the press. It can be tough, right? It can be tough for those people who work in these companies. So to be able to actually bring down 20 orchards to a place in your community and plant it, it's, it gives you a sense of sort of, well, we're not uh, devils after all. So that's been a great success. But I think it just is another example of a cooperation at play. Uh, where the ethos is, let's try and identify challenges. Let's identify the science. In that case, it was the National Biodiversity people. And then execute, action, get going. Um, and we're able to do that. We're, we're delighted to say we're able to do that very quickly. And I think that's also reflected in the report that we launched last week, is that uh, the amount of people in the companies that are working for the companies that are reflected in the report, it helps them identify 
a collaboration ethos so that when they go forward into geographic areas or in Ireland, they feel part of a bigger community. Because certainly we feel a sense of responsibility more for the people in the companies, um, whoever they may be, in giving them a sense of community, giving them a sense of personalization, giving them a sense, because it is tough. Uh, um, and uh, we get this all the time. It is tough if you're in an industry that is seemingly being demonized all the time. Um, and that's one of the ways that we can do that by giving them projects of common purpose within the community and uh, just get going and do it. It's great. We love it. Look, I think it's very positive. I mean, <clears throat> um, I just read an interview with Michael Hesseltine who said, you know, I'll probably be remembered for the trees I planted, you know? <laughs> so, you well, know, there you go. I, I, you I go. think it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Gary, it's been a pleasure. Isn't there a great saying there that, that society is functioning properly when all men and women plant trees that they'll never sit in the shade of? And, you know, yeah. it goes back. I'm sure many, many people have paraphrased that and stuff. But that's effectively, um, you know, we spent 20 minutes today talking about digital infrastructure. And I love it. I'm a data guy. But it also has got its own. It's creating weapons of mass distraction. And to get something like physically getting a shovel, planting a tree for a prime purpose of helping a bee. Um, it's actually very tangible, Simon, <laughs> because there, there, a lot of climate challenges are so intangible, you know, scope one, two and three and steel and concrete and stuff. You can't really get your arms around it. That's what we found is very helpful, that through helping, we are only helping. In our own small way to raise awareness for the bees, we could very well be help, helping ourselves um, in our own mental um, challenges that many people have post COVID, getting out into the community, going back to first principles a little bit. So it's a funny old thing these trees, the bees, and then the trees and the fruit and stuff. I think it's helped us humans to date because they haven't started flowering yet more than it has to date helped the bees, but that's just my own uh, idea. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a bit of both. I mean, and 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 I'm happy with like you know there are six or site, six or seven sites around us, and I can see that they are starting to leaf up and flower up. So therefore, you know, like you say, like like that's a very tangible thing, and every time you drive past that, you're going to yeah. see it. And there's that's a validation that, as well as all the you like like you say, the more ethereal and non-visible stuff, there's something visible yeah. and tangible that you can see. So yeah, yeah and hopefully. In a year's time, we can we can discuss the state of the trees as well. We will, and we might even make an apple tart, and we'll be sending out apple tarts. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gary, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and your work? So, postinireland.com is where you'll find a copy of the report. It, it'll also highlight what people in the report are doing and we've also taken the opportunity to use a case study of uh, Denmark for that ecosystem for the transportability of the ecosystem so rather than just talking about it we've actually taken it and we've broken it down we're showing how an ecosystem from Ireland born in Ireland has transposed itself over there so hostinireland.com you'll hear about DCs for bees orchards in the community the report is there to free to download and uh, um, anything else you want to know about digital infrastructure, it's all there. Perfect. Uh, thank you very much, Gary.
Thank you, Simon. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.